Hello, and welcome to the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, where stats make the story. Please enter the matrix now. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to episode number 56 of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, where stats make the story. As always, I am your host, Adam Levy, and I am so honored and grateful to be here for another awesome episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, this being episode number 56 of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. And yes, we are winding down to the end of the NLL playoffs, but Thankfully, there are still at least a couple of weekends left, starting with this Saturday, which would be tomorrow. I am recording here on March, or excuse me, May 19th of 2023, the day before Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals between the Colorado Mammoth and the Calgary Roughnecks. Whoever, whoever wins moves on to the NLL Finals to play the Buffalo Bandits. And whoever loses, unfortunately, goes home and has an early vacation. And uh, funny enough, wouldn't you know it, I am actually not featuring a player on the Calgary Roughnecks or the Colorado Mammoth in this week's episode, episode number 56. I am actually featuring a player who is on the team that has already made it to the NLL Finals, that being the Buffalo Bandits. I am featuring a guy who I feel at least often gets overlooked on a very deep Bandits offense with guys like Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, and and Tohoka Nanakota, a flashy, unbelievable young superstar in this league. A guy like Chris Cloutier can often get overlooked. However, in playoff time, especially these NLL playoffs, he is really showing why he is a absolutely pivotal part of this Buffalo Bandits offense. Now, of course, I could say that one of the reasons maybe that people weren't talking about him a lot this season was because he missed half of the year with an upper body injury, uh, but he did have a tremendous second half of the season there, but we will get back into that and all of the Nuggets and Chris Cloutier's story throughout lacrosse once we hit into the Matrix. So, without further ado, here are your numbers of the week on the Buffalo Bandits' Chris Cloutier. So, for this week, your numbers of the week are 11 and 18. Now, without further ado, let's search for some more Nuggets inside the Matrix and hear so much about the lacrosse journey of the Buffalo Bandits forward, Chris Cloutier. Let's get after it. Those two numbers of the week, 11 and 18, may seem small, but let me tell you that they are very significant. Now, why are they significant? It's because Chris Cloutier's 11 goals during these NLL playoffs, and the Bandits have played in three NLL playoff games this postseason. Those 11 goals are tied for the most in the NLL postseason with, believe it or not, his teammate Josh Byrne, who also has 11 goals. 
And that Buffalo Bandits offense is absolutely flying in the playoffs. Their goal differential is astronomical, and their offense is spread. Everything is running so, so well for this team at the right time. Of the 51 goals that the team has scored in only three games this postseason, the Buffalo Bandits have nine multi-goal scorers in three games. And in fact, you have four players, the four players that I mentioned earlier in the intro that have five or more goals. Of course, Byrne and Cloutier, both with 11 leading the NLL in the postseason. Then Tohokananakote, who I mentioned, with seven goals in the postseason. And then followed up by Dane Smith, uh, a potential MVR, your M- one of your MVP finalists for this season with six goals. Dane having the majority of his points, 20 of his other points coming from assists. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and say that this new level of playoff Chris Cloutier is here and here to stay, but let me just give you these nuggets. There has never been a regular season, and Chris Cloutier has been in this league since the 2018-19 NLL season, and he has. this is now his third playoffs, but there has never been a regular season or a postseason where Chris has been averaging more than two goals a game in that period of time in his career. But this postseason, in three games, he is averaging 3.66 goals per game. So this is by far the largest goals per game average. Yes, a very small sample size, but if we're not looking at the numbers, then what are we doing here on this podcast? It is interesting to note that the 18 playoff points for Cluche ties, already ties his career high for playoff points, which he actually set in last year's NLL postseason when he had 10 goals and 8 assists for 18 points, and that was over 6 games. So he has played 3 games, and we have at least 2 NLL Finals games for him to play. There might be a third, depending on on what happens in those NLL finals, but at least two more. So he will definitely be setting a new playoff career high in points, most likely in the next game played. And not to hit home again on that point that playoff Chris Cloutier is here, but again, looking back at regular seasons and previous postseasons, this is the highest points per game at six points per game that Chris Cloutier is having this season. That is the highest he's had at any point in his career so far. One of the main reasons that Cloutier has been able to play so well this postseason is that he is hitting the back of the net at an extraordinary rate. If you look at his 11 goals scored on 29 shots on goal, I mean, immediately that sounds like a very high percentage. And let me tell you, that is 37.9% of his shots on goal are going in the back of the net. That is extraordinarily high. And then even with his shots off goal, he has 39 total shots this postseason and has those 11 goals. That is 28.9% on all of his total shots going into the back of the net. So that is really uh, been a huge step up for him in his career. I guess in some ways you could say that we might have seen this coming 
in fact, Chris Cloutier's highest shots on goal percentage during his career so far was actually this past regular season, the 2022-2023 regular season with the Buffalo Bandits, where he scored 17 goals on 65 shots on goal, which is a 26.15 shot percentage. Looking even deeper into those shot numbers during this past regular season when he hit that highest shot percentage with shots on goal in his NLL career thus far, Chris Cloutier took the seventh most shots on goal during the regular season, so he has been incredibly efficient. That is seventh on the bandits, I should say, in terms of total shots on goal during the regular season. Now, I will also add that during this postseason, Cloutier's 29 shots on goal is the second most on the team, so he is having uh, the many more shots, at least in terms of the team's percentage so far here in the playoffs, and why not when he's scoring at the rate that he is? Well, that is going to be it for the Nuggets for now, and now I think it's time that we sit down and sit back and listen to a great interview that I had with the Buffalo Bandits forward, Chris Cloutier, as we talk so many different things, his history of the game, uh, his past in the NLL and his present in the NLL, and updating or looking at those NLL finals that are coming up there. So there is a a very interesting talk with Chris, and it's really highlighting a player who is shining right now Uh, brighter than he ever has, and it really couldn't be at a better time for this Buffalo Bandits team. So here it is, my conversation with Chris Cloutier. Thank you for for taking a few moments with me, and I'm I'm really happy to be featuring you um, this week on on my podcast in the run-up to the NLL Finals because uh, you've had quite the playoffs so far. So I guess starting with that, I just wanted to get your thoughts. You've got 18 points in three games. Um, you're tied with Josh Byrne for uh, the most goals in the playoffs so far with 11. Uh, so what's been clicking for you so far this postseason? Um, yeah, you know, um, I've said it kind of all season long. It has a lot to do with the guys I'm playing around that you've already mentioned, you know. Josh, Dane, you know, they, they take a lot of the attention and a lot of the respect of other defenses away. For me, that allows me to kind of step into a spot where I kind of get my hands free and uh, have a good opportunity to take a shot. Um, so I owe a lot to, uh, you know, my teammates on that, on my success in the playoffs is, you know, just finding me at the right times when I'm, when I'm open. And- um yeah. And so I know it's it's uh, hard, especially when you guys, you know, the success comes from being a great team. And I know that, you know, uh, when I was interviewing Jake Withers during the playoffs, it's it can be difficult for guys to to want to analyze themselves or praise themselves. But if you look at your individual play, obviously your teammates free you up. But how would you describe or analyze what's been working well for you? Do you feel like um, your shots are just falling. Do you feel like uh, Josh and Dane and other guys like Tohoka are getting more open for you to dish out your assists? Um, from your perspective on your game, uh, what can you say about uh, what you've done so far in the playoffs? Yeah, 
So it's really it it comes down to to the reps then it's it's not necessarily any tweaks or changes in your shot or in, in setting up uh you know your placement it's just about kind of putting the time in and and getting everything going Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing to hear. Now, from the team perspective, you know, you guys have been absolutely dominant so far these playoffs. Um right now you guys if the, the season were to end today, you guys would have the highest goal differential of any playoff team in NLL history. Why have you guys been able to be so dominant from the Rochester game and then especially against such a formidable opponent like the Rock in back-to-back games? Yeah, you know, I don't really have an answer to that other than, you know, we're just kind of clicking at the right moment. I think... Um, you know, everyone's kind of got a chip on their shoulder because we have been here two times in the past two years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, that, and a lot of that goes to, you know, it was kind of cool to see in the locker room after that Toronto series. You know, you look around the room and, and no one was really satisfied because, you know, we've been here before and it really, it doesn't mean anything how much you win a game by. It doesn't mean anything about how many goals you score. All that matters is the win. And most importantly, the win in the finals. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many goals you score before you get there. If you don't win that game, then there's no point to anything any of it. And so you mentioned the chip on your shoulder. Obviously, it's difficult to, to play so well in the regular season and even through the playoffs and then have it not work out. Um, what has that been like for you kind of, uh, having that maybe weigh on your shoulders a little bit, and how much more hungry does that make you when you get so close uh, and it doesn't work out for you? Yeah, you know, it's uh, you, and especially in a sport like lacrosse, you have limited time, so you got to cherish every moment you have, and these opportunities don't come around very often. And you know, you'd be naive to think that you know we're just going to make it to the championship every single year. Obviously, every team would like that. But um, you never know when that last opportunity is going to come. So, you know, it's, it's, it's super motivating to, you know, I've been there and been shut down in such like a heartbreaking way sometimes before. But that being said, it's, it's also a little bit more pressure. And we're trying to balance, you know, using it as motivation as well as kind of not letting that hinder what we're doing to prepare for this year. Mm-hmm. And then and it is a new season. teams are different. Our team is different. Other teams are different. So, you know, a lot of factors go into it. And so when you do look at those other teams, you know, I'm sure you're going to be watching Saturday's game very closely. 
Uh, if you can kind of uh, look at the two potential matchups, one between Colorado, a team who you guys obviously saw and faced last year, and a team like Calgary, um, which one do you feel is a better fit for you guys in terms of having more success? And what can you say about those two teams as your uh, potential finals opponents? Yeah, um, you know, you can never really, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a tough question as, you know, when it comes down to championship, both teams got there the same way and both teams you know, deserve to be there. Um, so it doesn't really matter who the matchup is and it's just about when it comes down to like playoff games and championship games it really doesn't matter what the team's done all season it's, it's what you do out in that last final series and you know both teams are, are, are really good and both teams uh, you know have uh, battled us before and, and beaten us before so you know I think it just comes down to what we have in our locker room and focusing on what we can control um, you know, no matter who we play, we once we figure that out, we just got to prepare for them mm-hmm. and uh, you know, attack it day by day. And so this is a more uh, difficult question to answer just because, you know, you were very young the last time that uh, the Buffalo Bandits won an NLL championship, but your head coach, John Tavares, uh, was on the team back in 2008, I believe, and uh, it's been 15 years. It's actually uh, I, I was I had just tweeted out. It's 15 years to the day today that the the Bandits have won a championship. Considering how how uh, storied this team's history is, and and how much this team this franchise has accomplished over the last several decades, what would it mean to bring an NLL championship to the city of Buffalo for the first time in 15 years? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it a lot last year, but it's still the same kind of message this year with everything that's gone on in Buffalo over the past couple of years. You know, it'd be something super special to be able to do for the city. Mm-hmm. And with that much support we get here, we know, you know, it'd bring a lot of, you know, positivity into the city in, in a time where, you know, not a lot of that's going around. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's that's super it's very much at the front of our uh, at the front of our minds, and, and what's motivating us to move forward. You know, we dedicate every game to the to the fans that come out and support us. As you know, we have one of the I would say the best fan base in in the league, and they travel well and, and are always there to support us, win or lose. And so they're they're who we who we play for and who we want to bring one back for. And so you know, it's always amazing to see what Bandit Land does, and. It's interesting, you know, talking to guys like Robert Hope or, or Tanner Cook, like I have this week, you know, they, they obviously say very similar things about their fans. And I think it's uh, fair to say that that the four teams that were in the Eastern Conference Finals have some of the best fans in the entire National Lacrosse League. Knowing that you could be playing uh, a game in Calgary or Colorado and knowing how those fans are, I mean, you experienced Colorado in the finals last year. Uh, what is it like to feel that opposite energy that you feel in bandit land when you go play on enemy territory that's as passionate like those teams that you could be facing? Yeah, everyone responds to it differently. For me, it it motivates me. I I like to be, you know, hated. I like to be not wanted to be there. So, you know, that's something that motivates me. I I like that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to it. No matter what, I know... uh, you know, both teams' fans are going to be very much an influence in the game, and, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. 
And I was talking to Josh yesterday, and so when you look at uh, the NLL season awards, uh, a bunch of bandits on there. Uh, Matt Vince, a guy who, I mean, he, as I said with Josh, it's, it seems like this is his 100th nomination for goaltender of the year. He's just so consistently good. What can you say about what it's like as an offensive guy to have such a reliable, experienced goaltender uh, on the back end? I imagine it gives you guys on the offensive side a lot of confidence. 100%. Definitely uh, allows you to, you know, have that confidence to uh, take a few of those extra shots because you know that, you know, you got a solid base back there and, and leader in Bino who's going to hold it down. And as well as, you know, giving you that confidence that you're never out of a game. But, you know, he can just flip a game around by standing on his head and not letting anything in the way he does. And then, you know, looking at some of the other awards, it's not every day that a guy gets nominated for both the Sportsmanship Award and the Teammate of the Year Award. But Kyle Buchanan did that this year. I know that Josh had some amazing things to say about Kyle, but... What are your thoughts about working with a guy like Kyle Buchanan? Yeah, Kyle's, uh, you know, the, the awards speak for themselves. Like, he is truly the best teammate I've ever had. You know, he's uh, one of our most veteran guys and, and has a lot of pull around the team, but he's still the first guy to, you know, grab everyone a towel in the locker room sort of thing, which is something that some people would think is, is a small thing, but you know, it just goes to show his kind of character and, you know, always putting the team first and, and uh, you know, the teammate that he is. You know, he's a, he's a special teammate and not many uh, like him come around. And just uh, one more question before I get back to a couple more on you. Obviously, the the biggest uh, award on the, on the docket there is the MVP and Dane Smith looking for his third MVP award, uh, almost breaking his own season single season record this year in points again unbelievable what he's been doing what can you say about uh you know working with dane on that offensive side of the ball and how he really helps the team uh come together and and really flow on offense yeah and uh you know i can say similar things about dane you know i've played with dane since we were in junior together and you know he's always been one of the best leaders i've ever had on my team and even the other day, Ian McKay and I were talking about how it's kind of crazy that, like, we hang out with Dane every day, and, and he's, like, now this this is his third nomination for MVP. Or, no, not nomination, but he's been MVP twice and could potentially be three times. And it's, like, who else? Like, not many people have done that. His, his name is up there with, you know, he's going to be one of the greatest players of all time no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and that's, that's super, super special to be a part of, and, and I'm happy that, you know, I can be there for it, and, and uh, help in any way that I can. Yeah, the only players that have ever won three or more championships, or more MVPs, excuse me, are uh, your coach, John Tavares, who won three, and then uh, Gary Gate, who won six, um, and he won five in a row from 1995 to 1999. So it is very rare to win that many. And it's also, as you said, amazing company to be in if he were to win it. Now, you know, I always love to touch on guys' history in the game a little bit. So I know that, you know, as I said, I was talking to Tanner Cook uh, yesterday and it was really great to to hear his experiences at UNC. And I know that a lot of guys have 
come through there that have played in the NLL, but what is your experience and what did you learn uh, while you were at UNC? How did that help you uh, now that you're a professional, everything that you experienced at UNC? Yeah, you know, uh, UNC definitely helped, you know, shape me as a player. It's kind of where I kind of had my, you know, outburst performance. But, um, you know, it was such a special experience. It's like the, the college experience alone is, is like no other. Like the campus is like walking on a movie, on a movie set. But, um, you know, as far as lacrosse development, you know, Coach Bresci and, and Coach Metz, um, especially, you know, always, you know, had my best interest in mind and would always be available for one-on-one film breakdown, things like that. Taught me the family mentality, you know, the team always came first. We had rules that you weren't, weren't allowed to join frats because the lacrosse team was your frat, which, you know, really brought us closer together. And, uh, you know, you really learned how to come together and, you know, we won the championship as the underdogs and, you know, that's, all a testament to, uh, you know, us coming together as a group and, and uh, you know, defying the odds. And, you know, when it comes to being at such a prestigious and, and large university like UNC, you know, outside of the lacrosse or even in the lacrosse environment, what's it like uh, to be part of a program and to be part of a, an environment that has such electric energy, especially when it comes to its athletics? Yeah, it's definitely uh, a super, like a really cool experience. You know, you go to school in Canada anywhere, you don't you don't experience anything like that. You know, you get anywhere within close of North Carolina, people are wearing you know the NC and, and Carolina blue shirts, and people always recognize when I'm wearing Carolina blue. It's always like a, a conversation starter, like "Oh, did you go?" And it's like people are surprised when I say yes. So. It's cool to be tied to a tied to a school that has so much pride in, in its sports and uh, you know so so much success in its history. And going back to to Tanner for just a second, I, if I'm correct, you guys were teammates for was it two seasons at UNC? Yeah. And so, what would it be like to to play against him in the NLL finals this season? And take me a little bit through your relationship because I imagine you guys are pretty close, having been teammates on UNC. Tanner's a good buddy of mine, you know, um, spent uh, two years together at, at UNC, grew up playing against each other, actually. Um, went, I actually went to went to the same high school, the Hill Academy, um, and I went there with his older brother, Keenan Cook, another great player. Um, but, uh, yeah, Cookie's, Cookie's the man. I, I love Cookie, and, you know, um, with, with the way lacrosse is, professional lacrosse is, I like have friends on every team and mm-hmm. it, it, you just approach it the same way every time. And it's, you know, once you step foot on that floor, the only friends are on, are on, are wearing the same color jersey you are. And that, uh, you know, afterwards we can, we can go back to being friends. But when, uh, when a championship's on the line, it's, uh, you know, what, who's in my locker room and, and that's all that. It is always amazing to see how you guys can put things aside. I know that I've, uh, spent some time with guys after games and then they've competed against each other and they're like buddy buddy and everything's good and I'm, I just watched a game and they were just beating the crap out of each other and uh, you're able to just put that put that aside uh, you know until the next game 
Now, one thing, and you mentioned it, you know, the Hill Academy, it's it's hard to mention box lacrosse and, and you know, the NLL or even lacrosse in general uh, in some way without talking about the Hill Academy and what they've accomplished. Um, what can you say about how the Hill Academy helped you and, and what you think of it in general as a, as a program that is helping to develop such a high level of lacrosse talent? Yeah. Um, you know, I tell people all the time that if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the Hill Academy, like I would have went to Conestoga College who doesn't even have a lacrosse team and, you know, just got a, um, a degree there and, uh, you know, would have never went to school in the States, you know, and, and that's not an exaggeration. Like I didn't, I didn't talk to one school before I went to the Hill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, actually my, my scholarship was dependent on me staying at the Hill, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when I took a PG year in order to keep the scholarship, I had to make sure I did my PG year at the Hill. So. And so then just finally for you, you know, we've been kind of working our way back in time. I always am curious, you know, going back to your earliest years and earliest memories of lacrosse, how did you get introduced to the game of lacrosse? And uh, when do you feel like there was a point where you maybe fell in love with the game and wanted to pursue it as a career? Yeah, um, you know, no one in my family had ever uh, played lacrosse before, and uh, I was actually given a stick when I was, I believe, three years old by my babysitter's son, and uh, hmm. I just started playing, and my parents put me in the league that summer, and from that point on, just played every year, and then uh, I grew up in Brampton, I was just playing house league there, and then I moved to Kitchener and was uh, started playing rap and started to do pretty well. And uh, always knew I wanted to play pro. Um, didn't think it'd be realistic until probably I got to junior um, when I started to do well in junior and then went to the hill. Chris, thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know that uh, you guys do have a week off. I mean, I'm sure it is definitely not a week off. I think head coach John Tavares and the rest of the coaching staff is not going to be that easy on you uh, heading into your third consecutive NLL finals as a team. I know that you guys are very hungry and poised to win it all this season. So while there is time to rest This weekend, while there is only Game 3 of the West Conference Finals this weekend, I'm sure you guys are are working hard and studying hard for the big Game 1 and Game 2 that will be taking place, not this weekend, but next weekend. That does bring us to our Lacrosse Matrix podcast poll of the week, which you can always find pinned at the top of my Twitter when it is live at my Twitter, at Adam Levy NLL. Definitely make sure you are always searching for the Twitter poll of the week there because I'm always trying to engage with the fans, the listeners, and try and get your takes, your opinions on what you think about the players that I'm featuring on the podcast. I think that your voice matters, and I want to hear what you guys have to say. So definitely make sure you head to at Adam Levy NLL on Twitter and look if the Lacrosse Matrix podcast poll of the week is ready for you to place your vote. This past week, I asked you in regards to Chris Cloutier, is he the most underrated offensive player in this year's NLL playoffs? 
And the vast majority of the voters, 84% of you, in fact, said yes, he is, while 16% of you said no. Thank you all for contributing to the Lacrosse Matrix podcast poll this week, and stay tuned next week for another awesome poll question, and let your voices be heard. So we have done our Lacrosse Matrix podcast poll of the week. Thank you so much again for listening to another amazing episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. But before I leave you guys for this week's episode, I did just want to send a note out to so many people. Uh, If you don't know, I have been named as a finalist for the Tom Borelli Media Person of the Year Award, which is really such an incredible, incredible honor. Uh, I, I will be quite candid with you when I saw that my name was on the nominees list. Uh, I <laughs> had a, a very emotional moment, uh, lots of tears. Uh, you know, so much hard work goes into uh, giving you guys the best content possible. And I also, you know, I'm driven so much by these stories of these players and how hard these guys work, you know, as you've listened throughout the podcast, hearing about their lives and and their playing careers, these guys not only give 110% of their energy to the game of box lacrosse, but then of course they still find another 110% to give to their families and, and their partners as well as giving that much effort to their full-time jobs or part-time jobs if they have them. They are truly, these box across players, extraordinary men and deserve so much more praise and attention than they get in the larger media sphere. And hopefully one day we can get to a point where these guys are recognized as equal elite athletes as guys like LeBron James or, you know, maybe even a a Neymar or something like that. And I know that lacrosse is growing. I know that we are all trying so hard to move the sport forward. So thank you guys for for supporting me. Now, I did just want to give a few personal shout outs to people who have helped me throughout my career. Going back to, to my earliest days covering the NLL, this is probably now about six, seven years ago. I uh, got to meet guys like Brad Challoner and Jake Elliott and, and Teddy Jenner around the BC uh, lacrosse scene. And from the get-go, those guys were so incredibly helpful to me in terms of learning the game, as well as Jim Else, who, by the way, is a featured guest on a recent episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, so go check that out. And also, so is Teddy Jenner, who is happens to be a co-finalist with me for this award, and I uh, can say that if Teddy were to win the award over me, I would not be upset in the least because Teddy has been such a tremendous mentor to me, and he is also an equally great person as he is a hard, dedicated, amazing worker in the NLL. So, It is an honor to be nominated with Teddy, as well as Pat Gregoire, who is a friend and guest of the program, or has been in previous episodes, and Pat obviously doing so much to grow the game of lacrosse, and Pat has become someone that has also been someone to to pick the brain of and, and, you know, pass ideas back and forth, and I've been so honored to to know Pat and, and to get to know him over the years as well. 
I also wanted to give a shout out to to some people like Gary Ahuja, who without him, I, I wouldn't have even started my writing career in the NLL. I was doing uh, video clip producing in my early years. This was probably back in 2016, that season. And Gary, who at the time was the beat writer for the Vancouver Stealth, he was looking to move on to different projects in his life. And he had seen that I had been involved in the NLL and based in Vancouver and had asked if I was interested in covering the Vancouver Stealth slash Vancouver Warriors. I actually can't. The timing might be a little off. They may have been turning into the Vancouver Warriors at the time that Gary was moving on. But it is, um, you know, without without people like that who who give you a chance, who really believe in you and, and think that you can uh, do something with a writing position or, you know, that have faith in you to, to do great work in this sport. You know, I, I was, I have been an outsider uh, to a, a large extent uh, this game. I, I don't have a history in box lacrosse. I don't uh, have a playing career in lacrosse, uh, a history of a playing career in lacrosse. Although I did play once when I was about 13 years old, or I shouldn't say once, I played from about 7 to 13 uh, in a field system docs lacrosse. Uh, Matt Levine, uh, Matty Levine was my coach, and, and he and City Lax, uh, he runs both City Lax and docs lacrosse. You know, he uh, was one of my coaches, and then when I was at a tournament in Connecticut, I got ran over, steamrolled by a kid who was twice my size, and at that point, I, I wasn't really interested in playing lacrosse. However, I've always loved sports, and so to be involved in this facet is incredible. Of course, looking more at the present, I am so grateful for the IL Indoor team. If you're you know talking about Stephen Stamp and Matt Kinnear and Kevin Brown and, and Bob Chavez, Terry Foy, all of those guys, and, and the whole IL Indoor team and the whole inside lacrosse team, you know, for, for those guys to have faith in me and to, to bring me on uh, as, as a newer contributor for them doing the Beyond the Box series, as well as the five things we learned every week. Uh, it's been awesome getting to know them, and, and they've been so supportive and so awesome. Of course, everyone at the NLL who has helped me out along the way, you know, from beat writing, not only for the Vancouver teams, but also for the Colorado Mammoth, and then turning into a contributing feature writer that has been such an incredible transition and experience. Stephanie McGinley has, uh, was a, a huge part of, of my growth in this league. And, you know, when I reached out to the NLL for the very first time, I had just shot a random email out and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in Vancouver. I know you guys have a team and I don't know if you guys have any work experience, uh, work opportunities, uh, for someone like myself. Uh, but if you do, let's make it happen. And, and Stephanie was so, so helpful to that. You know, it's really cool to see guys like Justin Rubino who are still working with the NLL. When I first interned with the National Lacrosse League, God, it must've been 20 years ago now, or not 20 years ago, probably 15 years ago now. Um, he was in this office with, uh, Commissioner then George Daniels and and Doug Fritz and it is uh, very cool to see how you know he has been part of this league for so long and and it's very exciting 
you know, that I have now been part of this league in one way or another for a nearing a nearing a decade. So that is very cool. And of course, uh, another more current thank you to the NLLPA, which is such an honor to be writing for them. Uh, Reed Reinhold and, and Zach Courier, you know, two current players who really, you know, bust their butts so much to, to make this the best experience for the players every single day in this league. I've featured things that the NLL, NLLPA has been doing also in a previous episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. So I'm plugging some previous episodes that you should definitely go listen to. And, uh, you know, it's been so great helping these guys, you know, in every single platform that I have. But to, to specifically be doing it for the PA, you know, shows that these guys, you know, I have I have their support and that is really that that's the dream for me, you know, to to help these guys uh, magnify their voices and, and to let their opinions and their thoughts and their stories be heard. And I, I really am am so thankful to those guys. And, and, and I must include Riley Hutchcraft, who runs the NLLPA socials. It's been great. Uh, getting to know him during this season, and he's obviously doing awesome work, and and the creative little things that that the PA is doing with social media has been super cool. Obviously, learning about the players, and then of course the fun facts, which I also do those as well. So you know, between all of the things that I do uh, around the National Lacrosse League or for the National Lacrosse League, uh, it's truly been an amazing honor to to cover this league. This season, and uh, I know that there are so many people that I haven't mentioned in this. Thank you. There, there are too many people. Really, I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in the position that I am talking to you if I didn't have uh, the help and support of so many people. To, to be a writer and, and to cover this game, you need the help of, of the players, the coaches, uh, the staffs, all of the communications. Uh, directors of these teams have been so incredibly accommodating and open and supportive. And I, I really uh, communicating with you guys all the time throughout the year has been so great. And I have to say, I know that I can be a little bit tenacious in terms of trying to get interviews as early as possible, but I'm only trying to do it because uh, obviously with my busy schedule, it helps me out. But you know, the the earlier that content can go up, the more eyeballs can get on it. And I'm always trying my best to get things up uh, with uh, Ryan Ireland, who has been an amazing supporter at the NLL. I, I can't believe I had forgotten him up to this point. So it's been uh, it's been really, really incredible. It's uh, at this point, I feel like I'm definitely lost for words at, at what to say about, you know, being uh, in a category of of. Uh, potential winners, uh, you know, so many legends have won that award and, and, you know, I don't need to win it to, to feel satisfied being nominated was amazing. And to, to be next to guys like Pat and Teddy as finalists, this is uh, a very surreal dream come true. That's kind of happening in terms of where I want to be in my writing career and where I want to be uh, in the sport of lacrosse right now. So I am Deeply, deeply honored to to be in the position that I am, and uh, I can't wait to bring more content to you on the platforms that I obviously am working with now. There might be new ventures in the future. We'll see, obviously, where everything goes. I, my life is always changing and things like that, so 
might be working on some new projects, might be focusing on some different things, but always trying to give you guys the best content possible. So thank you so much. And I know that this has been a rambling thank you. It's uh, obviously so many people, so many things to cover. So it is difficult to, to get it all out, but thank you so much. And of course, make sure you check out game three of the West Conference Finals this Saturday at 9.30 Eastern Time, uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, and then, of course, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. It is going to be an incredible game, no doubt, whether it's high-scoring, low-scoring. These two teams will not back down for one second, so it is going to be a dogfight. You can bet on that. Thank you again so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week for the next episode of the Lacrosse Matrix Podcast. Enjoy the game, everyone. Have a great weekend.